And just like that, we are going. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I am your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. Football season is back. There is great promo right now where you could earn up to $100 in free play tokens. Every $20 wager on football on ProLine or Stadium Bets will earn you $5 in free play tokens to use on football winning margins. That means you can place bets on money lines, over-unders, and spreads to start earning free play tokens for use on football winning margin. This offer is valid to up to 20 tokens from September 5th to October 16th. Free play tokens must be used by October 31st. Get in the game today at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app for the best odds. Single game betting and an all-star lineup of the top sport leagues from around the world please play responsibly must be 19 years of age or older i've been thinking over the past couple of days on how to start this intro how to start this podcast and to be honest with you i've gone over it in my head um like a hundred times and i still really don't know how to start it since the passing of the great past day the energy in the city has been deflated um and it's tough to get excited. It's tough to look forward. It's tough to plan. It's tough to, it's just a tough, tough time right now in, in the, in the city of Halifax and the province of Nova Scotia and the hip hop community in the artistic community, whatever community you, you claim to be a part of. It's just, it's just tough. Um, but on the other side of that, I do think the most fitting guest for this podcast is classified. One of the most celebrated hip-hop artist in Atlantic Canada of all time, really, if you think about it. His resume speaks for itself. Uh, I know Classified and Pat had a a friendship, uh, a working relationship as well, and I know that they've uh, known each other for for years on end. So I think it's one of the most... uh, Well, it's funny because Class and I, we've planned this podcast almost two weeks ago. So this podcast was planned before the passing of Pat, um, so it just kind of it just it, it worked out, and and I messaged class a couple days after Pat passed away, and I said, the class, are, are you still comfortable on coming on the show? Um, he said, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. Um, so I'm excited to hear what he has to, to to say about all this, and I think that all of our listeners at home would agree with me that this is the man that uh, that maybe can shed a little bit of light on Pat and, and the things that he accomplished, some stories from behind closed doors and uh, some things that maybe the general public just didn't really know about him. I know I was really fortunate enough to have one, no, we had two episodes, two podcasts together. The first podcast, we were still kind of trying to figure each other out, but the second podcast, I've watched it probably three times and um, magic was made during that second podcast he he showed a side of his personality that not a lot of people got to see and I also was impressed with myself stay humble but I I thought I asked some really good questions and I really don't go back and watch any of these podcasts I, I do them I edit them and then I distribute them I don't really go back and look at them and critique myself um that old Pat Pat stay uh podcast back in March I think it was I've watched it yeah probably three times and just such a, I don't even know, man. It's just such a special guy. I was talking to Quake about this, and I sent him the video of him interviewing that woman on the streets almost three years ago and how he uplifted her day. And he just replied, one of one, man. And it's absolutely true. I don't know how many people are on this earth now. We're, we're in the seven, eight billion, whatever it is, but... I challenge someone to go out there and find another personality, another presence in a room like Pat Stay had. One of one. Quake was right. Um, with all this being said, um, we're extremely excited to have Classified. We're fortunate enough to to do it in our studio. I know he has a studio out at, at his home. And um, last time we did the podcast with Classified, we went to his place. Uh, so this time he's at our place, the new renovated studio. I wanted him to come see it, critique it. Let me know what he thinks about it. Classified also has a brand new acoustic album out right now called the retrospected. And he also has a tour that's starting, I think next week at the shore club, uh, the retrospected tour that's going to be going across Canada. So I'm excited to talk to, to classified about that. 
Uh, without further ado, this is the classified episode. I'm Justin. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Classified is in the building or in the studio. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm all right, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for taking the trip here. I know last time we did it at your place when I was in awe to, to be in your studio. So yeah, to have you here in my studio. Here. Yeah, man. Good, uh, good switch out. What do you think so far? It's, it's you feel good? in here, man. Yeah, yeah. It's comfortable in here. It is. It, when just, I, you know what I mean? It's You You can tell you're still renovating. You were telling me before I came in, but it just feels nice when you walk in. I like the vibe. When I went into your studio, I, I, I noticed it was a very comfortable place to work. Mm. And I took that from uh, from your spot. And I was like, I need to be able to be comfortable here. That's why there's no couch behind you. But uh, yeah, you just yeah. got to, you can't feel forced to work. And I like a place where you just, you know, you just come Feels down. good to go. In. Oh, exactly. If, I, if I'm gone away for two weeks and I come into the studio, as soon as I walk in that room, it's just like, ah. Uh, like it feels like home when I go into my studio. Yes, like exactly. That's the vibe. Yeah. Hence, like I got the little kitchen here, so yeah, it's not done yet. But like you know, there. coffee. It's that's yeah, dope. you got to feel like you're at home. Um. So yeah, like I said, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you. I think a lot of people really want to hear from you. Um. You know, obviously, it's a sad time right now with with um, one of the greatest battle rappers of all time, Pat, passing away. Mm. Um. When a lot of people hear the name Classified, they think of the hip hop community here in Atlantic Canada. Um, across Canada and I, I know in the intro I think a lot of people want to hear maybe from what your perspective is with Pat your relationship you had with him personal and business and maybe some of the earlier memories that you had with him um, yeah no I met Pat a few years ago as a fan first you know what I mean I watched him come up in the battle league do all that and you know I'm a fan of hip-hop I'm a fan of battling to see someone from Nova Scotia do what he did was like you know, that's why I made my song Supernova Scotian was because Pat Stay and Scratch Bastard, that was the two main reasons. I was like, we got the best battler in the world from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. We got the best, you know, top five DJ in the world from Bedford, Nova Scotia. And, you know, I think a lot of people didn't recognize what we kind of had here with, with, you know, those two guys. But Pat individually was like, you know, now that he's he's gone and you see this reception and seeing all these people and these great artists you know, all saying, you know, they had respect for him and knew what he did. It's it's crazy to see, but we all kind of knew that as well. We already knew he was the best. Mm. We, we knew that Eminem put him in a movie that he produced. We knew Drake brought him out to battle at his private party and all these cool things. But do I wish Pac got to see all this love right now? Definitely. I think he, he'd appreciate that and, you know, sad time, man. It's kind of hard to talk about it still, you know. it's That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to my friend Tommy and I, we talked about it for a second um, I was like, what, what's your reaction of all this? And I go, he goes, if Pat knew that we were upset right now, he would be laughing and making fun of all of us. You know, he, I don't yeah. think he would want us to be upset. I think he would want us just to recognize the work that he put in and, and move on from, from, I, I from think it. so too. But I think at the same time to see the support, especially for his family, his young boy, yeah. you know, stepdaughter yeah. and to see people stepping up like that, like as much as Pat likes to play things off, and be like, yeah. ah, stop acting corny guys. Yeah. I think he'd really appreciate that yeah. and be like, you know that would that that would fill a spot I think in his heart to be like man yeah to see that support from my family when I'm gone mm -hmm. yeah one of the most underrated parts of uh this part of the world is the talent that comes here not even from music sports and Nathan McKinnon Anything. just won a cup Crosby I loved in that video Supernova you had Crosby at the beginning what, what yeah. was the interview he did with uh, Pierre Maguire what did he say in that interview He's like, we we got we got to keep you know, going. We, we, we got a good team this year. Yeah, the boys yeah. are working. Just talking about you know being a team and, and everybody working together, and that was the whole vibe of the Super Nova Scotia thing. And, and that's why I made it, man. I was like, man, we have some of the greatest artists, greatest uh, athletes coming from small town Nova Scotia, which still blows my mind because I'm like, you know, our population is so small compared to most places. We don't get a lot of the big concerts here, the big events. We don't have a professional sports team, but yet we still produce these top tier artists and and sports and athletes and all this stuff so it's you know proud to be nova scotian always but now more than ever i think absolutely mm. yeah world class coming from this part of the world Definitely. world class 100 percent. um you love shooting music videos i was going through your i don't love it man you're well you crucial. do it it's crucial you do it I, yeah yeah we do it <laughs> gotta do it because i think it's just when you put a visual to audio you, just, you get to hit another part of people's brains you know, you make a song, that's one thing, you get to hear it. But if I can make a video, especially if it's something I feel like it's going to fit with the song and give the song new life, even though it's more work and it's like sometimes more work to do the video than what the song is, but I do think it helps spread the song a little bit further. 
Yeah, that's fair. Did you trust director's um, input or do you like to take over that aspect of it as well? well me and my brother shoot all my videos. Yes. Like for the last three, four or five years, we've shot everything. So we'll we'll sit in my studio, come up with an idea and then just argue for a couple of weeks back and forth on what we want to do. But yeah, no, I have a ton of input. Usually coming up with an idea where Mike will come up with an idea and then Mike will put it all together. He does his shooting, the editing. But we, we, you know, we'll we'll sit there at the video shoot, and I'm over his shoulder yelling at something. He's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> so it's you know, sibling rivalry, but it seems to work. We get the job done. Did you ever have a challenge at the very beginning of your career being on camera? Obviously, being in front of yeah, people, it's, it was tough definitely. at the beginning. You know what I mean? Just like this 19 year old kid, like our first video. I guess my first video was in Halifax, but my first legit video that did anything, we had to fly up to Toronto and. You know, the whole film crew's there and everything's set up and there's trucks and you're like, all right, here we go. And then there's just action. The camera's on me and I'm just like, all right, let's, you know, it took me a while to get comfortable in the camera. Whether it was interviews, videos, anything, it was just like, you know, I was good in the studio. But when it was like coming out, I think any 19, 20 year old person, guy, girl, whatever it is, they're still trying to find themselves. So it took me a minute to find myself and realize, man, just be yourself, be comfortable like that. Yeah. You know, at 19, I was still trying to be a little edgy, you know, got to. I got gotta put it on a little bit, but as you grow up, you kind of get comfortable with yourself and who you are and your flaws and your all that stuff. So I don't mind it now at all. It doesn't bug me at all. But in the old days, it was like, all right, you know, you had to be up at seven a.m. Taxi picks you up, takes you downtown Toronto. You got someone telling you what to wear, or at least giving you options. You want this jacket, this, this, and this. Now nah, I just go in my closet, grab what I need to grab, <laughs> and go do it. So it's more chill now. Before it seemed like it was work. Yeah. Felt. It just felt a little overproduced. Like everything was like, oh, so big, and the film crew and the catering. Now it's me and my brother and a camera, <laughs> and we just go do our thing. That's so, great. Yeah. The, the the secrets out in the world when it comes to the entertainment industry is that you don't have to leave home. Back in the day, yeah, you got to go to New York, you got to go to 100%. Toronto, and now everyone knows that the secret is out with the internet. You can just do it from where you're from. Did you know that rule back then, or was there a part of you back when you were nineteen, twenty? I I got to go to Toronto. I got to go to New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah, you had to. There was yeah. no, you had to tour. There was no, you know, like my first national album was like 2003. So a little bit of internet, but not like now, nah, not like, oh, you put an album out, you go on your social media, you put on Instagram, Twitter, like there was none of that. So it was more about media. You'd go up to much music, do your interview with much music. You'd try to get on a radio station. And especially for hip hop, where there was no real outlet, there was no urban radio in Canada at this point, really, except for maybe in Toronto was the only spot. So you were just trying anything and everything you could for me anyway. You know, I never had a label at this point and I wasn't signed. So it was just a kid that loved what he was doing and just, all right, let's hook up a tour. Let's get on the on the Katie and Lines bus or whatever it is and yeah, yeah. go across Canada and just kind of kept building it like that. Just finding any outlet you could to have people listen to your music. Yeah, for sure. Did you, when you saw that shift coming, did you thought, Ooh, I can take advantage of this when you can promote yourself? It wasn't yourself. like boom, boom. No? It was slowly just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Everything's on social media now. And even that I'm trying like with this acoustic album I dropped, like my, my own sister, like a week and a half ago said my mom was playing the acoustic album in the house. My sister was like, Oh, what's this? This is nice. I was like, it's my acoustic album. I dropped like nine videos this year and been promoting it like crazy, but she's not on social media. So part of me is still going like, I think we get caught up in now and go, well, I put it on my social media. Everybody knows about it. Yeah. And we're getting comfortable with that, kind of forgetting that a lot of people still aren't on social media or even now kind of sick of it and trying to stay off it. So now it's like a balance of obviously hit your socials, but try not to forget about that real, the yeah. real world as well. So like we just took out an ad for the Metro Transit. Like we're getting ads on the side of the bus. As soon as my sister told me that, I was like, my own sister doesn't know this record's out. Went to my team and said, we got to do something. So we're going to like a billboard, some more like real life things, just so people who aren't sitting on my socials following classified will still, you know, know about this new music. Well, with the album retrospective, what, where did the acoustic idea come from? Uh, just starting, actually started with me and David Miles. Um, when I started working with him, we did a couple, like when Inner Ninja came out and that was doing its thing. Me and Dave started touring down a bit in the States and a couple different spots and we'd go into radio and just do acoustic versions. So just him on his guitar and me rapping. And just the vibe we started getting from people. We started shooting like little videos like that. And people were like, oh, man, I can hear the lyrics. The storytelling really comes out. So that's kind of what it was, was just seeing the reception of people hearing these other versions and going, hmm, this is, you know, let me try this and see if it's, you know, 
a little more accessible, I think, for some people. Some people, they hear the heavy beats, the heavy bass, and they don't listen to the songwriting. And I wanted to make sure people listen to the lyrics. So When you're in a, an environment playing an acoustic song, does, does the environment matter? Would you rather a smaller venue or would you rather a larger venue? Just got to be sitting down. So you can't be up. I don't want people standing up. If people are standing up, I want to get up and I want to Okay, rock, I gotcha. You know what I mean? But if people are sitting, then it's like they're chilling, they're listening. It feels like I sit down in my chair, have my drum machine, my guitar player, and we just, you know, it feels like we're hanging out like this, like in the living room, but I'm going to do a couple songs, explain where the songs came from and yes. know, tell more stories behind it like that. I over, I've always been a, a big fan of artists that are able to banter in between songs. Apparently, some artists struggle with it when they're doing well, a live a, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I've been to some shows where people do a song. Thank you. Next song. Next song. Here it is. I I really enjoy, like, especially when I see an artist playing, like, you see their personality on stage. You see them cracking a joke with someone in the front row. You see, you know, hear a story about a song that's like, I had no idea that's where it came from. So... That's what I really want to take a lot of pride in is, is having that as a part of the show, not just come up, get your hands up, rah, 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 but I want to come out and explain where the songs are, songs are from. I want to see people laughing. I want to see people crying in the crowd, and, and, that, and we have seen that at a few of these shows we've done, so it's, it's been refreshing for me. I saw for the trailer for the, the tour coming out, you, you brought someone up on stage. Yeah, we'll do that too. Well, well just we've only did three of these acoustic shows. And, you know, we toured Canada so many times. So most people that come to these shows, half the time they're drunk, ready to party, and they're all sitting in the front row yelling. And I'm like, this is not the vibe. <laughs> so we have the stage set up like a living room where I'll take the people out of the crowd. I'll be like, okay, you want to be loud? And, you know, I'll bring them up on stage, sit them on the coach, leave them on the stage. And then they kind of calm right down because they're like, oh, shit. Because everyone's looking, looking at them. them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, it's been, we're still figuring out what this show is like, but it's been fun that way because it's just off the cuff of like, all right, we got to address this now. What are we going to do? Yeah. Just bring them on stage. And, you know, yeah. so it's been fun. In this business, I've always found it can become repetitive. This is the 404th episode we've ever done of this show. 400, damn. 404. So it can get a little bit repetitive. But what I do love is challenges within the business. And right now, how many years have you been doing this for? Over 20. Yeah, yeah. And you're saying you're still trying to figure out something for an acoustic show that you're doing in a couple of weeks. That's does, why I keep does, doing so it. So that though. you just, you, is that what you got to figure out something else? Is yeah, that? yeah. Like it keeps it exciting. I, I wouldn't do this if I was just doing the same thing. You know, writing still about being the dopest MC and battling MCs. Yeah. Like the fact that I kind of get to grow up, talk about having kids and finding these, you know, just different values and different outlook on life, especially during COVID and all this, what's going on. Like you kind of look at things different and that's what makes it interesting for me to keep writing and coming up with new ideas, new song ideas and or new ways to perform, whatever it is. But yeah, no, it, this isn't something I need to keep really doing. Like I've been pretty smart with my money, invested in like some real estate and stuff, but I like it. Like, when I'm done here, I'm going back to the studio, rolling up. I'm going to work on this beat I was working on last night. <laughs> um, and just, you know what I mean? I'm looking forward to that, too, still. And it's been 20, 25 years of doing that same thing, but something about it still gets me. Yeah, you fell in love with the work. It's so, pretty much that's all what it was, it man. It was a hobby. It was 15 years old. I didn't think I'd be a living off being a rapper from Nova Scotia. Like... It was the farthest thing from my mind. I still thought I had more chance of being in the NHL. You know, that was my goal first, but that didn't happen. So I was like, well, I like doing this with my friends. And it gave me an identity in school. Every kid in my school played hockey. I was one of those kids. Once I started rapping and, you know, be the guy that started rapping at the school dance, it was like, oh, that's Luke. That's what he does. You know what I mean? So it almost separated me from everything else. And I kind of took that and just kept going with it. Yeah, you have, you're born, you're, you're born, or not born, excuse me, you build an identity, and then once you have that identity, you run with it. That was always a thing with me in school. Everyone was the, you know, everyone's in the same class. Everyone, I hated doing the same thing everyone else did, mm -hmm. oddly enough. And I knew if I did have a success in an artistic way, podcast, sure, it, just, it had to be just different from everyone else, because that made me want it more. Motivated for it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. sure. 100%. Motivated But that And that's what I was saying is like, I had fun doing it. It wasn't like I thought, oh man, I just, I'd rather be a rapper than get a normal job. I'll just do this and I'll get rich off this. I never in my mind, I was just like, oh, we did a show. That was fun. Oh, we played a show in the city, met a bunch of other artists from there and there's 300 people there and they're going crazy. You know, it just kept giving me those small goals that kept me motivated and interested in it. Hmm. Uh, touring. 
I heard mm. it's one of the most difficult, but at the same time, one of the most fun part of uh, being an artist. Definitely. It's like, it's like having a kid, man. It's the hardest and the best <laughs> the best rewards, you know what I mean? What's what's the key to uh, longevity of tour? Because I heard you can eat unhealthy. I heard the sleeps can't be the best. I heard I just hear things. What, yeah, so what's yeah. the key to longevity of keeping the energy at an even keel through a tour? Try not to go too late, you know. <clears throat> this tour is going to be different, but our last tour, which was in 2018, Last few years, well, last 10 years, we've had a tour bus. That changed everything. Once you have a tour bus, you can actually keep your schedule. Like, you know, we, let's see, on the last tour, we would do our show, blah, 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 party, end of the night, shut it down around 4, 4.30. Our bus driver would come on the bus at 5. That's when we're all passing off. We go in our bunks, pass out. He starts driving. So for that eight hours we're sleeping, we do the drive. We wake up, we're in the next town. I've never seen the road once last tour. Like I would just go to bed, wake up. It's almost like you're teleporting. It's like, okay, we're in Winnipeg now. Wake up in the morning, you go find Tim Hortons, you go brush your teeth, find your thing. And then you do, like you try to, you know, whether it's playing basketball, ground hockey, we were doing that on tour. Um, just getting out, walking, just don't just sit on the bus and smoke weed all day. Cause we made that mistake for a lot of times too. But you know, you got to make sure you take advantage of your daytime, get out, feel good about yourself, try to eat. Because soon as seven, eight o'clock starts again, the drinks are going to start again. The party's going to start again. Yeah, that goes till five a.m. and then it just kind of rotates. But when we were doing the minivan thing, I still don't know how we did that because that was we party till four in the morning and then we're up at six thirty, all packed in a minivan, seven dudes <laughs> with all their gear on top of each other. We drive for like seven, eight hours a day, get to the venue, do our sound check, and start again. Like I. And I'm a sleeper. Like, I need my eight hours sleep, so yeah. I don't know how we used to do that. But when you're motivated and young and you're excited and you feel like you're living the dream, yeah. it gives you a little bit extra. I thought you were going to say you need a good driver. I thought that was going to I was driving there. half the time. What, what about the big bus, though? Oh, the bus? No, yeah, we hire a driver for that. That's like a, a hired professional okay, that yeah. does all that. But in the minivan, yeah, I'm like a... I'm a backseat driver. I can't sleep on drives like that yeah. in the minivan, so I would just drive and let everyone else sleep, so... Right on. That mm. kind of sounds like a pro hockey player. You know, you're on the, you're traveling. Same you're thing. You're wake up, you're playing the Winnipeg <clears throat> Jets, you know. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're traveling. Back on the bus or the plane, back to the next <laughs> exactly. spot. You know, it's same yeah. thing. No, man, that's great. It's, it's awesome that, uh, that, that the tour, you must be pumped. Like, obviously, you I'm haven't excited, done it. it's, but it's been COVID like, messed you up. You yeah, didn't. man. Like, I'm a little bit, honestly, nervous to leave my family that long. Like, it's only a four-week four, four week tour, I think, but part of me still like like i'm counting down the days it's like five weeks i'm like four weeks left and you why know, are you nervous just don't like leaving my kids that long i don't think or the wife my wife really either. yeah which had never really bugged me before and i know i'm gonna have fun it'll be whatever like you just gotta work through those things but i think it's just being home for two years with coat not with covid but covid lifestyle and getting comfortable of i'm gonna go to the studio today oh, okay i'm take the kids out for you know tuck the kids in at night like just got really comfortable to do that every night that when i'm not there now hmm. i don't know it's just a little weird i'm gonna miss halloween this year too so ah that's a tough you one know, i mean just little moments like that that it's like yeah but you know you gotta do what you gotta do i was it's gonna my first tour in four years it's for four weeks not the end of the world when was the last time you performed live uh last show i did was edmonton edmonton end of july oh no i played uh port hawkesbury august 7th Okay. We did like a live show out there, like a uh, outdoor festival type thing. Did you find getting back into the live show routine a little difficult? Or was it oh, just yeah. like riding the bike again? The first show I did back was Calgary Stampede for like 3,000 people. And me and my brother were backstage. Ivy was already on stage, the rest of the band, Owen. And me and Mike were about to go on. And I had this like gut, like I don't get anxiety, never had depression, nothing like that. Like, you know what I mean? I have a lot of friends that dealt with that stuff and I didn't quite understand it. And that show, my stomach just went like, Pah right before he went on and I was like talking to my brother I'm like well I don't know what's going on but I just don't feel right and he's like oh welcome to anxiety it's <laughs> <laughs> like all right but as soon as I got on the stage said the first word it was like right back to normal it was like oh we never left so it's just that getting back up on the, the horse and get riding yeah. again you feel good it's in your DNA 100% and that, even that like I thought it would feel weird getting on stage would I forget what to do would it just feel natural and it 100% did yeah just like riding a bike you're right yeah. back in it um when's the first show september at shore club i saw that we got the shore club this weekend uh friday and saturday night so that's just gonna be a fun party that's everyone packed in a club it's you know we'll do a little bit of acoustic stuff but most of this is gonna be rocking out party and enjoying and you know 
try to forget about last weekend with you know with what's going on with pad i want to honor him somehow i don't know how i'm even going to do it yet but i just think that's something i want to mention and you know try, people, to, yeah. try to put some smiles on people's faces yeah people want to hear from you i think a yeah. lot of people respect your your word thank you man yeah um i saw that on your tour you do a like a meet and greet mm. what are some things that you like to accomplish when meeting fans what's something you like to get across to them just show love man like the only reason i do this especially even before like the labels and the business and like nobody gave me love when i was coming up i couldn't get a record deal i couldn't get love in the industry but i was just grinding out on tour and people were you know the fact people i was selling i remember when sony reached out to sign me we sold 23,000 copies of Hitchhiking Music, which in Canada for a hip-hop artist, like they had artists, they were putting half a million dollars and that weren't doing half of that. So when we started doing that, and they're like, well, and I was sending my demos to Sony's for years, just be like, nah, nah, we're not into it. So I just kept doing the shit myself, selling it, you know, and then they came back and they're like, all right, we'll give you a deal. And, you know, that gave me the power to be, okay. I'm making my album in Enfield. I'm not showing anybody what I'm doing. It. I'm sampling. I'm doing everything the exact same way I always did. And they were, they just said, "Yeah, do what you want. You know, we'll front the bill. We'll pay for everything. We'll have our team to back you up." But you know, that was just because I, you know, kind of did it myself and proved myself first. Yeah. Can't remember what the original question was or where this was going. What What's something that you like to get across to the fans when you? Meet oh, when them? I'm meeting them, yeah, just the appreciation. Yeah, that's what it was. So it was like the fans are the ones that built my career. It wasn't like. I had this big label that pushed me, and all of a sudden, I just got thrown down everyone's throats, and oh, now everyone you know loves me or whatever. It was just that regular dude or that regular girl that would come out to the show, buy a shirt, and you know what I mean? The same people. I see people from 20 years ago coming to my first show, still no coming way. to my shows. Not, yeah, man. Like, And these people I consider friends now. Like, I know them first name wow. basis, and you know what I mean? So it's almost like these people became friends over the years. So when I'm doing these meet and greets, the same thing. I just want to show love, shake someone's hand if they want a picture, if they want me to sign something. You know, I live a pretty comfortable life because of these people. So I want to make sure they know that. I Speaking of Pat, one lesson I learned from him, I was picking him up from the first podcast we did. We did it at 4.30. And um, I had to go pick him up in Dartmouth. So 4.30, you think of the bridge where traffic. So we're yeah, sitting yeah, in the yeah. car for like an hour together. Just kind of, I'm, I don't really know this guy. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taking phone calls while I'm just sitting there. Holy shit. And we stop at Shoppers. He has to pick up Lip Chap. And Lip Chap, you're thinking <laughs> in and out, two minutes. He's in there for like 15, 20 minutes. Comes back in the car. And I'm just like, hey, like, I was long. You know, like, what, what yeah, are you doing yeah. in there? He goes, oh, I got recognized. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, like, whenever someone notices me, I just, I like to, like, take my time. So he was in there for 15 minutes talking to a complete stranger while he was buying lip chap. And I always <laughs> took that to heart. I was like, man, this guy took the time to talk to a stranger in shoppers while I was waiting for him and just kind of took that moment. And I always took that and ran with it. And that was kind of a lesson that you're trying to teach right now. It's like, no, just get to know these people. These people are, are helping totally. you live they a comfortable life. They appreciate you. You got to appreciate them. And, and that's just Pat though too, man. Pat likes to make people feel good. Yeah. You know, like if I'm having a conversation with Pat, if I'm stressing on something, he'll say the right thing that goes, hmm, yeah, you're right. Let's look at it that way. You know, even going to his battles, like he just made people laugh. He put, if you watch me and my wife were watching his battles last night and, you just see the whole crowd. It doesn't matter if it's the guys he's battling, their crew, everybody is smiling just because Pat makes people feel good with what he does. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> um, what was I going to say? I had a great question lined up. Yes. Um, you said when you signed with Sony, you're like, I'm doing the album in Enfield. Mm -hmm. Do you think throughout your career that has benefited you artistically? 100%. Because Sony's like, hey, class, do you mind coming into the office Tuesday? I just want to talk about a couple things. Mm. But it's like, this guy's in Enfield. Just leave him alone. Let him do what he has to do. Is that, is that ever? 100%. Has it? It's just not being influenced, too, of what's going on. Like, I don't, if I was, like, I've been asked to go to LA, New York, and go to Toronto, and you got to go down there, man. Like, you got to get in the rooms with the right people. And, you know, and I'm always like, no, nah, like, I just felt like even up to like my last album in two or my album in 2018, my manager at the time was like, come on, man, we got to go to LA. And I'm like, bro, we're still making hits. Like, why would I change what I'm doing? Like, this is, of course you want to always go outside the box and try different stuff, but I make my beats. I sit in my studio alone, come up with my ideas. And that's just how I've been always able to put, you know, these personal songs together and songs that are like powerless that no one in, LA is writing songs like that because it's such a I shouldn't say anybody but the majority of it is when you go there it's you get in the room with the hot producer or the hot writers and you guys all try to collaborate and it's a bunch of people you don't know or have any personal relationship with 
And it's like, how do you make personal music like that? Like for me, it's like, I got to be around my brother. I got to be around my friends. I got to be around my family. I'll show my mom and dad songs. I'll show, you know, my brother, whatever it is. And it's just the, always the way I did it felt comfortable and it never felt like work. It was never like, oh, I got to go to LA for two weeks and grind out for nine hours a day in the studio with Joe Blow. If I go to the studio, I'm not having fun. I turn it off and go shoot hoops or go for a dirt bike ride or something else. And mm. I, I don't like being on a schedule. I've, I've been in studios, even in Halifax, where in 2001, they paid for me to go to a studio and it was like the worst experience. I hated it. <laughs> like I was sitting on the mic, looking at the clock and... Or is you it know, in the States? No, no, this is in Halifax. Oh, Halifax. Just even Halifax. Oh, and, yeah. and the engineers trying to give me advice on how to rap and where to lay on the beat. And I'm like, it, it, it caught me off guard. So from that point, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to do it the way I'm doing it because I feel like I'm still just getting better and still pushing the needle and trying to, mm. you know, keep moving. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think, and go back to your question, like even when I first went to Toronto for a show, I remember being nervous for the, about that because everyone called it the screw face capital and everyone <laughs> hates everyone in Toronto. And, and I went there and the amount of love I got and just from people's comments are like, no, nah, man, like we see all these Toronto artists every week. You're that guy from Nova Scotia and you've never been up here in years or at all. And, and they seem to appreciate that, that it was like someone kind of coming from out of their spot, coming in town once in a while. And Toronto's probably you know if not it's one of the best places for me to play in the country like i get oh, yeah. more love from there the biggest crowds obviously they have more people but the the industry side of it all there you still got to go there do the interviews and the press but no i think just being from halifax kept me grounded kept me always my mind going going like i gotta you know try to do this try to get better and it almost you know i think it made me try to prove myself a little more too i got gotcha. when people are like you gotta go there I was like no i don't now let me prove to you that i don't have to and made me work a little bit harder i got you i need a little bit of advice from you mm. the biggest so we're a sports company the biggest sports industry in canada is in toronto and mm -hmm. there's always an idea of me that wants to flirt with going up to toronto for a week get in a hotel bring the mics bring the camera set yeah, up yeah. four episodes and you know that's expensive like we, we make money with this company but like you know a couple flights hotel you know it's a, food it's a, yeah. it's, it's a lot of money it's an investment and i'm on this line right now of the where we have the the sports you know industry here they really like us we're mm -hmm. uh we're a medium fish in a medium pond I yeah guess you yeah. Could say but yeah, up yeah. there we're a medium fish in a big big pond mm -hmm. what, what do you a little bit of advice for me would be to to, to go up there to to maybe yeah, invest yeah. some time with I some do. athletes yeah? yeah yeah i think it's a good idea to go out you can't ignore what on toronto is you know what i mean it like, is what it is and like what what you said like go up there for a few days go get your feet wet you'll make yeah. a couple connections come back take that knowledge and, and grow even bigger here but i was the same way man it was just small fish or whatever you want yeah, what yeah, did you yeah. say i medium said medium fish, fish in a medium pond, pond. Medium i was the same thing then you go up to toronto and you kind of go oh, okay i'm a medium fish in a big pond but i'm going to pick up some of this information you're going to get a little bit more res not respect but i think people will pay attention a little more just because you're not from there and you're not the same guy that's been doing the podcast for four years out of toronto mm. and it's like oh this guy's coming up to do it but just, you know, you can learn some learn stuff going to other places. Just return and, and use that knowledge you gained. Okay. Yeah, go do it. All right. I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll run with it. it. We're, we're going. Look, he's got the, the Jays shirt on and everything. Good to go. Got to go. Um, it, coming up with new ideas, th this uh, many years of doing this craft that they like to call hip-hop. New mm. ideas, I think, are really, really tough. Original ideas are really tough. Because if you look at the hip-hop, you know, there's... A lot of songs are very similar, but you always have creative ideas that are outside the box. How? I think that's my strongest thing. I did. Like just talking to friends and I was never the best rapper. I never had the best flow, but it was like concepts. Like, you know, my boys would always say like, that's, that's your thing, man. Like you, you, and I think it's just my imagination, man. I come up with way too many concepts and I'll write it down. 90% of them I don't use, oh, yeah. but then you'll have, you know, that one out of 10 that's like, hmm. Yeah, that could be something. I could see people, you know, hearing this and reflecting or whatever it is. And I don't know. I just, I like to, my mind's always racing, man. It's always looking for new ideas. And <clears throat> like, I'm working on an album right now with my brother. It's called The Hardy Boyds. <laughs> That's and great. It's, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's me and him just like over some boom bap 90s beats just rap and having fun and like the one we just made last week is called we're the, the world's greatest tag team and we're just talking shit but like every reference is is an old wwf tag team okay so I got it's you. just like i don't know man that shit's fun to me just to find new ways to play off words you know like that but then sometimes serious things happen like i was saying with powerless 
you just see something in the world happen and you go like, man, how, why does this keep happening? Why does no one talk about this? Why isn't this addressed? And then that becomes like a song idea. And that's happened many times as well. I got another song I'm working on right now. It's called, I don't like people. <laughs> and it's just talking like, I don't care if you're vaxxed, anti-vaxxed, maskless, anti-mask. I don't care if you're vegan. Like, I just find like right now our world is so separated by the most stupid things that we're arguing about. And it's like, we all got this, some major problems in this world that if we just stop dealing with all these individual bullshit, maybe we could come together and, yeah. you know, solve some bigger problems. And that's just observing, just seeing what's going on in the world and just being like, we're complaining about this again. Hey, uh, we're worried about this and this. And then, oh yeah, the world's about to end. And, you know, it's just, you hear all these things and it's, I don't know, just watching humans and yeah. see how they act and, it's an interesting world. I, I just think people, I, my opinion on that is people aren't busy enough. I'm busy. Like, I don't know. You're busy. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. people opinionated. A lot of people care about the most random things that they shouldn't care about. But I, I don't know. I'm so busy to, I don't, it's hard for me to focus on things that are going on in the world when in order for me to better myself, my family, my employees, everyone, well, you, you, you gotta, you gotta, health. you gotta be mental hell. Yeah. Like whenever I'm down, I just work or like cl 100%. I clean, I'll do the dishes. I'll it just just purpose just, accomplishment like yes. that, that's to me is what i noticed over covid is just i need purpose man like yes. when covid first hit i just stopped i was like well this ain't gonna last long i'll take a couple weeks off didn't go to the studio went biking more had a couple more drinks smoked a bit more just kind of just like yeah i'll just party for two or three weeks covid can't last that long yeah like, you know, six months later i was just like oh my gosh and then that's when i started getting down and going what the hell and as soon as i went back to the studio the first day i was like oh I miss this. This Talk is what I need. Mic. So it yeah, this so is this is what I need in my life. Purpose, like a reason to wake up every morning and go, what am I doing today? Yeah. Where's the fight today? Yeah. How do I win the fight? Yeah. What can I accomplish? I want to just get one beat done down and I want to get the hook done on that. And I feel like I did something today. Yeah. Mm. How do you feel about at the studio at home? Obviously it's working for you, but was there ever an adjustment? Like, honey, please stay out here just for a couple hours. Like kids got, or do you, uh, do you welcome nah. it? You welcome the chaos. Usually I'll welcome it because they don't come out that much. My wife knows when I'm out there, I'm working and she's, you know, yeah. like yesterday, my kid came over with two of her friends, like, come see my dad's studio. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sitting there just kind of like <laughs> smoky room, like kids get out. Like you, you can't be in here right now. Give you a couple hours. But smoky. yeah, but <clears throat> no, I, I, I only can work from home. Like I said, I tried that one time in Halifax to rent a studio and I didn't like it at all. I like to work on my own time, my own hours. If I get an idea, I run out to the studio if I get bored or get a call, I run in the kitchen, have dinner with the kids, whatever it is. It's it's just the way I, I operate the best. Beat the traffic. Takes no two minutes traffic. to get to work. Yeah, I don't got to dress. Right just walk out in your underwear in the studio all day. Just, yeah, no worries. I pre like Honestly, when I did come to your house for that first time, I took a lot from you. I just like, man, the here's the power. This is having the studio at the For place. some people. But like, I, I, I got friends that totally can't do it. Like what? I got a buddy that's got his studio in his house right now, and he called me like, man, we let's try to rent a spot for a studio because I can't, he just needs to get out of his house. He needs to feel like okay. he leaves in the morning. I think he just finds that, you know, he'd go to the studio, get distracted, go back in and, you know, he has a hard time just staying a hundred percent on the music. That's like me with the gym. I can't work out here. I got to go somewhere yeah. and I can't just do push-ups over there. I gotta, you just give up. I, I, yeah, I got enough done, whatever. There's the TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you got to be in a different... 100%. You know, it's like that. So I see why some people are like that. They got to get out of that zone to just be like, nah, I'm in work mode. Now let me come home and be in, in home mode. Mm. But for me, it's yeah, it's just been comfortable to do it that way. I, I was listening to a song, um, Inspiration. Mm -hmm. 2013, you put that out? Uh, when did that... No, that would have been like 2010, 2009. That was on my first album with Sony when I first signed with Sony. And the what was the guy's name that sent you the beat? Phil. Uh, Phil sent you the beat. Oh no, I sent him the beat originally. It was a beat it, I wrote to. I'll just give you the quick. Yeah, go. So I wrote, I made a beat, make a bunch of beats. I'm always making beats. I started writing some, didn't finish it. So I just took that beat, put it in my like selling folder. You know, when people reach you. over beats, I'll send them a hundred beats. He ended up getting that beat. He was like, "Oh, I want that beat." I was like, "Cool." Never heard from him for like six months. And then his friend hit me up. He's like, hey, man, Phil, you know, he bought this beat. He died in a car crash. Just wanted you to know that. And then I went back to that beat and wrote the story about Phil and just saying, like, you know, it's called inspiration. Like, he wrote me and said I inspired him with this beat. And I was like, no, man, you inspired me with your story and what with what happened that I'm going to finish this song up 
you know, for you, it's, you know, you got to really take the whole song in, but that's kind of the, the, the quick, the quick story of it. So the, the question was how long before you found out that he passed away in that email before you were in the studio writing saying, okay, I need to make a song about this. Cause it seems like a lot of the songs that you make are very based on your life and yeah, yeah. things that you're going through. And I've always just wondered about the, the turnover time before and ideas in the head before the pens on paper, before the song is made. Yeah, yeah. How long is Sometimes that? Sometimes it could, that one was, I feel like that one was only like two or three weeks. That wasn't long, but like, uh, choose your own adventure which was another thing on that same album it was you know like a six-part series where you go through my album and it ends and it's like hey if you want to go to the city go to track nine if you want to go yes, bike yes, riding yes. with mike boy go to track eight that was great that idea i had for like five six years and i just couldn't figure out how to do it and then one day i was just like let me just do it <laughs> so some ideas will be like that some of them will just sit in my phone or my notebook for years and never get used or come back to it and kind of go oh, okay let me try this now so Okay, cool. Kind of, kind of, yeah. It's sometimes quick, sometimes can be a long time. Do you drink coffee? No. What, so in the morning, what's the? I hear at least my. I work the hardest. I'm the most creative in the morning. When's your? Do you have a, a set time? Um, I usually go to the studio from. It's a little different now since COVID kind of messed everything up. But usually, on average, it was always like ten to five. Like I would treat it like to... till five. Yeah. Once in a while, I'll do some night sessions. Like when we did Super Nova Scotia with Pat's Day and, and Bubbles and all that. And that was all nighttime. They all came oh, yeah. over like 6 o'clock. We stayed until like midnight. But when I'm working by myself, I really try to keep it like a job. And that's just so I can be with my kids when they, you know, after supper. I want to be able to sit down for supper. I want to sit down after supper, hang out like that. Like I really wanted to keep that normal lifestyle so I can be around my kids. So, yeah, it's like a job. Man, you've definitely, yeah, you've maneuvered this. Like you're you're very rare. What yeah, other? I got lucky. You're, you're, I, I got lucky. A I lot. don't think you got lucky. I think, I, think you, I, you, I created my luck. Created the opportunities for luck to happen. But a lot of things yeah. I do think were like, shit, that wasn't planned. Worked out good. <laughs> That's happened a few times. But yeah, I think the work created that. I definitely think. I don't. I don't know anyone that works harder at music than I do. For I this love long. that. Yeah. When you're out in and field, do you get more hey classified or do you get hey more Luke? Hey, Luke, or Hey, Classified. Now, Classified, uh, just because it's growing so much. Like at the grocery store? Yeah, like Enfield is just crazy how much it's grown up. But when I first moved back 10 years ago, it was, hey, Luke. Hey, Luke. Oh, Luke, you're doing great, man. Good yeah. to see you. Oh, you're back in Enfield, you know. So. Yeah. And Enfield was small. It is getting bigger now, but like. It is. You kind of knew everybody back in the day. Like you go to the grocery store, hey, 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 everyone knew everybody. But now it is growing so much that yeah. more strangers. Um, Jonathan Torns, aka J Rock. Yes, sir. Torns, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Torns. Um, he had a cool story about when he found out that the Trailer Park Boys was probably going to work. He was at a hotel downtown Halifax, and an old man who was like eighty years old came up to him, and he's like, "Do you know what I'm saying?" Meaning, meaning like, you know, yeah, he's like, yeah, "You know yeah. what I'm saying?" You know, and he's like, "That's the moment I found out that I think the That's show was going to work." I was wondering what that moment was for you, where oh, this rap career could work. What was that moment? Um, I don't know if there was one moment. I, I remember like one moment, um, when my first video unpredictable, and this was like 99 <clears throat> played on much music. <clears throat> Sorry. I was at my girl's, uh, apartment. It was like middle of the day and the video came on TV and I was like, ah, oh, and we walked out, went outside. And as soon as we went outside of her apartment, a girl came and she was like, oh my God, I just saw your video on Much Music. Uh, <laughs> that was the first moment that was like, holy shit, someone knows who I am. TV back then. TV was, if you had a video on Much Music, you had some kind of career. You were doing, oh, yeah. like, the, it was like legit. Not now, like anybody could put a video on YouTube yeah, and no one would have. TV was a huge thing. And that was, to me, one of the biggest, like, ways to spread my music back in those days was yeah. much music if i didn't have that i don't think i'd be doing what i do but yeah there was that moment but for me the the re the the thing i always say was like oh shit this might be for real was i was working at the you know the maritime center right at the end of spring garden, spring garden road x wave i used to work there when i was like 2021 20, right at compu college um and making good money for a 21 year old bought my first car all this and they were laying us a bunch of people off. So they, they're like, hey, we got to lay you off. We're losing people. And I was kind of like, oh, shit. But I was kind of like, okay, I got a year of unemployment. This is perfect. Oh. I, I can do my music thing. My bills are paid. Last day of work, I went in and the boss came down. He's like, man, I found you another job. 
we, we can keep you here. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, that's great. But the other part of me was like, man, I was so set to just do this music thing for a year. So <clears throat> I told him, I was like, man, I don't think I want the job. And my parents were all like, you just went to college. You got the, what are you doing? I was like, I just want to try this for a year. If I can make this thing last for a year and, and once unemployment runs out, if I'm still making enough money to pay my bills, I'll just keep going as long as I could. And that was 2003, 2004. So and you already had a video on much music then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I was doing my thing. My work even gave, I, I even did little tours. Like this is right. I remember trial and error. I wrote most of that album sitting at this help desk working because I barely did anything. I just <laughs> write and watch wrestling, wrestling <laughs> websites. Um, but yeah, they would give me like I remember just taking time off. I take a month off and be like I'm going to open up for Chocolate on a maritime tour. And like oh, we'll support that. And they let me do my thing, so they're cool. But yeah, once the unemployment thing kicked in, it was just like let's go hard. Went hard for the year and never went back to work since then. So that's awesome. That was the the moment I think. So, so you took it as like a sign from the universe, maybe? Like, I, hey. I think so. Yeah, it was like, I think a lot of artists have that moment where they're like, okay, this is it. Like, I played it pretty safe the whole time. I'd put out my records, do my shows, but I always had my college or going to, had my job, had my backup plan because I never thought I would make this shit work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then went for it that one year and just, it worked. Meant to be. Meant to be, I hope. You're still trying. I don't know if you're still trying to figure. Is this gonna work? We'll see what happens in the next twenty. <laughs> but it's true though. Like you're never satisfied. You're never going like. Eh, I think once I, you're I made satisfied, it. it's kind of over, man. Like, and that's something I'm learning too. Like something I said on one of my other songs. Life's not a life's a journey, not a destination. Like when people are like, "Dude, you made it. How's yeah. it feel?" It's not like I sit here and go. Well, today I feel, you know, it's like, man, I look back at the last twenty years and go, man, it feels pretty good because I remember this and that and this and yeah. Yeah. Did you ever question yourself when you didn't have money? When I always think about this, I go like maybe potentially one day I have a lot of money and I wonder if the motivation will go out the window. Not that money is the motivation. Obviously I love this craft, Yeah, yeah. but there is a part of me that wonders, man, if I got a couple mil in the bank account, maybe I won't be as hungry. I think about that. Do you, yeah, did yeah. you ever think about that when you were coming up a little bit? A little bit, but um. It didn't make a difference. It didn't? Okay, good. No, I worked just as hard as I did now when I had 5000 bucks in the bank or when I had good-to-go money in the yeah. bank. To, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it didn't – because it's fun. Like, it's it sounds so corny and cliche, but it's like I like doing what I do. You know, shows is one thing. Shows is the biggest rush, the highest – the best drug you'll ever take in your life is being on stage and see a 1,000 people singing your lyrics that you wrote by yourself in Enfield in a little studio <laughs> and you see these people – you see people crying about shit you write. Like, that is like, like I get goosebumps thinking about that. You can see, you know what I mean, right now. <laughs> that's a drug, and I think that's why I don't do hard drugs is because I never needed that. You know what I mean? Like, I had that thing, so. And then even in the studio, I still still have a good time going to the studio. Yeah. Man, that's, it, it, it's, it's, uh, you're lucky. You're a rare human being that uh, found what they love to do. Not a lot of people get to say that. It's a great uh, it's a great feeling. It is, man. I, I, I know I'm. I'm blessed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great that you don't take it for granted, too. Definitely don't. That's great. Um, how much time are we at right now? Uh, 50 minutes. 50 minutes? Are you still... What, what's your time situation? I'm in a rush, man. You're sure yeah. you're good for a bit? Yeah. Um, I was wondering what the, the, the... I guess the plan is for this tour. I know you're going across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have a lot of shows booked. Um, other than... I know I asked you the question already of some of the goals that you like to go through when meeting new fans, meeting fans that you've had forever. What are some goals that you like to work towards when you're going just on tour? Not even meeting fans, just performing, just by being with other artists. What are some things yeah, yeah. you like? Because you're marketing yourself, essentially. You're going across. And just with this show being so different. Like sure. This tour is way different than any other tour, so I'm definitely looking at it a different way. I'm looking at this as... I want... And I'm noticing, too, fans hitting me up. It's like, you know, I'm 35. I'm bringing my dad to your show and so-and-so. Like, I want people that might not necessarily give hip-hop a chance to come out to this. More so older people, because I've done a few of these with David Miles. He has an older fan base. And I've seen, like, old people that I could tell when I start. They're just like, okay, let's just get this guy done. We're here for David Miles. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. And then they hear what you're talking about in the stories and you see the people react and at the end they're coming up and shaking your hand and it's like, I've never listened to hip hop, but that was the most interesting thing I've ever saw. Yeah. That is what I get off on is hearing people that, not even non-hip hop fans, but people never really gave my music a chance and then they go, oh, I didn't know. I I didn't know you just didn't sing Inner Ninja No Canada or Good News. You know what I mean? Like you actually are writing some other things that 
are, are a lot deeper than what a, you know a lot of music out here is so getting new fans you know that's always my main thing on tour is, is bringing new people into that circle that are like okay i'm going to check for this guy's music now and and making sure the show works it's acoustic things because it is very different a lot of people are going to be coming thinking they're going to rock out and it's like, yeah, yeah. Nah, you ain't rocking out we're chilling for this but you know i think it'll work I, there was a show at the casino um Oh man, it was good. Songwriter Circle. Yeah, they yeah. Sang, what's that called? Uh, Songwriter Circle. Songwriter Circle. I went yeah. to one of those like three years ago, and I was pretty drunk and a little high. Yeah. And I shut up. I just, you, I was it, quiet. You, like you I, I, zone, man. Yeah. It, it just has to be dark, and then the stage has to be lit, mm-hmm. and people get it. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where it started. We did the ECMA singer Songwriter Circle, and it was exactly what I was just saying. It was me, a uh, couple other artists. Um, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. going to mess up names, yeah, yeah. but older artists, singer, yeah. songwriter, you know, they got their guitar and, and we were the last one to go. It was Gordy Sampson or, oh, wow. Uh, Bruce Guthrow. That's who it was. Yes, Bruce, Bruce Guthrow. You know, like it's an yeah. older traditional singer, songwriter, artist. And everyone was going crazy. And then we did ours and like, here goes the rap guy. <laughs> and we did Powerless, first song, Standing Ovation. And it was know. just like. Okay, you know what I mean? Like yeah. so for for that, like I've I've done a lot of shows where people's hands are in the air and they're saying hell yeah and they're jumping around. But when you get this new reaction you never got for 20 years, it's it, it's exciting. It makes you want to go, okay, let's do this for a minute and see what happens. Over the past like 10 years, I've realized that rap rap is rap, yeah, but the beat has a lot to do with making it rap. I've 100%. heard it was 100. a song by Kanye West and he was literally it was something with 808s. It was the one that's like in the night. I want. Yeah, yeah. Heart, and he, and heart, heartbreak, heartbreak, heartless. Whatever. So heartless. And there was no beat. And then he he put his voice almost like a country tone. And I was like, that could be a country song. And he did it on purpose in a country yeah, yeah, tone. Yeah. And then I remember after ever since that point, country and rap kind of went hand in hand. But it can also go any other way. But rap can be anything. Hip hop can be anything. It just yeah, has yeah. to well, be. Well, there's a, that saying. It's like hip hop never. What is it? Hip hop never invented anything, but it reinvented everything, which I think is pretty cool because you hear hip hop production in country now. Rock bands have like more hip hop type program drums sometimes. 808s, you know, yeah. Every type of music now, there's 808s. It's like that came from hip hop of like, you know, 1980s drum machine hip hop. So, no, I think, uh, and that's the thing that I love about it is hip hop, you can write about anything. You know, well, yeah, well, you're pop, living, you're pop, living proof pop of that. songs, and <laughs> you know, certain times they'll go to the circle, but 90% of the time it's about heartbreak and love and falling in out of love. Yeah. 99% of music, hip hop, it's like you can write about politics, you like you can't write about politics and country. You saw what happened to the Dixie Chicks, <laughs> they, they tried to say something and they were wiped off the planet like they never existed. Yeah, yeah. hip hop, it's like it's about pushing that boundary and talking about those things that make people feel uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, it's well said. Really well said. Yeah, you can definitely make people uncomfortable and say things that. That's what I try to do now. Like I, and I think that's being confident with myself too. Even talking about myself, personal stuff. In the old days, I'd be like, I don't want to talk about that. It's, yeah, it's a little insecure to talk about that. Now it's if I can say something that my brother goes, "Ooh, you sure you want to yeah. say that?" I'm like, "All right, that that's it." So that's how you know it's. That's that. how I try to do it now to yeah. make sure it catches people off guard and makes them think about things that they might not normally think about music. Interesting. That's a good strategy. Shock value. That's what Larry David said. He's like, if you're not, like, if you're like not, shock value, like I'm not coming out there, no. cutting my head off on stage, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Yeah. But like, it, I don't even find it shock value. I think it's stuff we just talk about on our, by ourselves and we dwell and think about ourselves. Yeah. But people just don't like talking about each other because it's, it's a little awkward. That's where Pat's success came from. Hundred percent. That's. Basically, I'd say 80% of his career. And he was great at doing that. Like, he'll go on stage and battle in some gangster rappers, and he'll break it down and go, like, really? You're really trying to promote this lifestyle? You know what I mean? He, he, he was, Pat was a smart guy, man. Really smart. He was smart. Super smart. Like, yeah. He knew him. I think he knew himself better than a lot of people know themselves. And when he came on here, he was talking about himself back in school. He just knew himself so well how to yeah, read yeah. a room how to understand if someone's bullshitting how to go into a room full of how many people are usually at those rap battles yeah thousand yeah. Yeah, yeah you know he just he just he just knew everything around a very very wise individual he also made it him. cool to be not that he made it cool but like 
you don't hear a lot of rappers talking about being a father, especially in battle rap world. Like he made it like cool to follow him on social media and sh- see him showing love for his family and his kids, and and people looked at that and be like, man, that's 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 dope that he does that, and hopefully inspired other fathers. I think it would have seen him, the way he acts, treats his kids and his family, to inspire other people to treat their kids and family like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that's why people want to hear from you. It'll be interesting for your tribute at one of your shows, what you'll, what you'll say, I'm sure. When we were doing, before you came over, I didn't really know how to start it. I didn't know no how to do does, the man. intro. Like, I just, I, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it just so kind of weird. Happens. Like, it's four days ago. I mean, like, didn't even have a funeral yet. Like, I was supposed to go on talk radio today to talk about Pat, and I canceled this morning. I was like, like, I did this because I knew we'd be talking about the album and stuff, but they wanted me just to come on talk about Pat, and I was like, I, I don't think I can. Like, I'm not ready for that yet to come on there and well what's the battle scene gonna lose like i'm not thinking about the fucking battle scene i'm thinking about pat's kids and his friends and all these other things that have nothing to do with music and yeah i i'm i'm, I'm hoping soon i'll be a little bit more comfortable talking about it but right now it's still still a tough it's a tough one for sure we'll recoup we'll move on and uh he'll be remembered it'll be sure. uh, it'll be a, it'll be a lesson learned from what he created and we'll be good yeah um I guess plans from now until, uh, I guess, when's the show at the Shore Club? Friday. What's today? When, man, time moves fast. Yeah. Um, September blows my mind that we're even in September. But yeah, we play Shore Club this weekend. Then uh, in two weeks, we're doing a Trailer Park Boys thing in Fredericton, like a special private show thing. And then the next one will be the tour. We start in Ontario on October 12th. I always say September is my new year. I don't yeah. know, like January first. I feel that I'm broke. I'm fat. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. January. That's not. I don't like September hockey season starting up. Yeah, yeah. this is my new year right no, now. No, I feel you a lot. Well, I think September, like you said, hockey starts, basketball starts for the kids, school, school, summer breaks over. Everyone's off vacation. It's like, all right, let's get our shit back together. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess is there anything right now that you want to promote from obviously the the, the tour, the album? Where can people get tickets? Um, uh, things classi- like that. yeah classifiedofficial.com go to my website you can buy the tickets the VIP um, the acoustic album the vinyl the CD and even my book I put a book out last year that you know I know we talked about before but all that's available there so awesome I'm gonna come out to, to one of these shows for sure come um, out to Shore Club man I can't get tickets aren't they sold out nah, we'll hook you up alright are you serious yeah, alright yeah. I'll shoot you a message all right, I'm holding you to that alright all Friday right. night Friday Saturday. night I think jam-packed, but Friday I could probably still hook a couple things up. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, well, once again, man, I really do appreciate you coming on here. Appreciate it, bro. And I really appreciate you saying that you're comfortable here. Yeah, Because I know yeah. a studio is a big deal in, in your life, so for you to come here and give a, uh, the, the, the the classified stamp, I appreciate it. All good, man. Um, I wish you the best in this 2022-2023 uh, year. Nothing but success. Everyone listening, you as well, work hard, take classified's advice, follow – I guess your dreams and do whatever Follow the hell love, you want to do. Love what you're doing, man. Love what you're doing. It's pretty simple. All right. I got all, that's all I got to say. Do you want to say anything else to the people before we, before we close this out? Uh, just work hard, man. September's here. It's a new year. <laughs> well, yeah, Let's well go said. hard. All right. <laughs> Everyone, thank you very much for listening. We are out. Peace. is the thing to keep my brain ticking if i don't feel inspired something in my veins missing i wasn't too strong quit that and moved on never looked back and started working on a new song but as a beat maker you never know a track that i ain't feeling might inspire someone else's flow i sell beats in the net and in the streets helping poets paint pictures on the canvas so to speak I sold this beat to a guy named Phil He reached out as a fan, hit me on my email Told me I inspired him, and he loved what I was doing He said I motivated him to start pursuing music Gave him the instrumental, call me when you're done right But I never heard back, and really never thought twice It happens often, rappers don't finish nothing So it didn't seem strange, he didn't hit me back with something couple months passed and that was fine then i got another message with phil's name in the subject line class i'm a friend of phil's from back in the day the music you made inspired him in many ways 
changed his life around and got it on track. I want you to know, cause last week Bill died in a car crash. What? You serious? Barely knew the guy, the shit had hit me fairly quick. We all forget how much life should be admired. Sometimes we all forget how our music does inspire. I inspired Phil, now nah, Phil inspired me to finish up my song over top of Phillips B. Rest in peace. Inspiration. <laughs>